0: How are we, church? Good? Are you good? Why don't you just stay standing just for a minute? Let's just lift our hands to heaven this morning. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are already in this building. You're already in this room. God, you don't have to wait. We don't have to wait, God. You're here now. We just pray that we'd have open uh, open ears, open hearts, open minds to what you want to say this morning. Not what. Greg wants to say, not what anyone else wants to say, but what you want to say. Let these words be your words, Lord. We just ask for you to come and help us cast away any distractions so we can lean and glean from your word and draw closer to you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Come on, why don't you take your seats this morning. Thank you, band. I will get you guys back up later. Give it up for the worship team and the tech team and everyone, all the team, team, team. Teamwork makes a dream work. Dream team, stream team, love it. Well, yes, another big welcome to everyone watching online, in the room, nil, park people, wherever you find yourselves this morning. Uh, it's just a privilege and an honour to have you joining us today. Are you ready for the Word? Yeah, come on. Because I'm ready to preach uh, this morning. From uh, So you can turn with me, open your Bibles. We're going to get straight into it this morning. I hope you brought your Bible to church. If you didn't, it will be up on the screen. But I encourage you, bring your Bible to church. Come on, you wouldn't go to Coles without shopping bags. I mean, I do all the time. But you wouldn't, would you? No, so let's come to church with your Bible. Uh, John chapter 3. Uh, verse 31, and uh, it's on the screen, but before we read that, before I get too excited and into the message, uh, I just want to say one thing. Now, normally, I try all the time to be intentional and make an effort to be able to preach and, and live my life and whatever it is, do it, do it without disclaimers, right? You know how sometimes there's disclaimers on things? Buy this thing, but disclaimer, it doesn't come with batteries, um, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, well, and I try to live my life, I try to preach all the time where I don't need disclaimers, I don't have to say, like, I'm going to preach this word, oh, but, like, just keep this in mind, I try to never do that. But today I'm going to do that. (laughs) Because the message that I have on my heart this morning, if you take it at face value, you you may leave today thinking, what was that about? Or I don't know if I agree with that, or that seems a bit off, or that, I'm not sure. But what I want to ask today, everyone watching online, everyone in the room, is can we, can we not take things at face value today? Can we, can we come on a journey together, yeah. dig a little deeper yeah. and see the truth that I believe God wants to reveal through His Word today? Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that if we can grasp this uh, concept this morning, that we will leave this room, uh, where, leave wherever we are, built up, encouraged, with a greater understanding of who God is and what He's got for us as followers of Christ. Is that okay? Is that cool? And we're, we're all in this together? Come on. So, with that being said, let's read John three thirty-one to 36. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. But he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Verse 35 says that the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but will see the wrath of God and it will remain on him. My sermon title this morning for those taking notes is What's Love Got to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do It? Don't sing it, Phil. I knew you straight away, man. Don't do it. Um, But... The goal today, church, the goal today, if I was to wrap this up and say, what's the goal of this message, or more importantly, what I feel, what I sense God's point today is, that we would all leave with a better understanding of His love and His Lordship, right? So, let's get into it. Where's my timer? There it is, alright, cool. Um, So, God's love. Is God's love actually unconditional? These are rhetorical questions, so just in your head. Is God's love actually unconditional? Does love really sum up who God is? You know, if you asked a hundred people to describe God in one word, I bet a good majority of them would use the word love. God is love. We hear it all the time. In fact, a survey taken by worldreligionnews.com, it's on the internet, so it must be true, and it's from America, so it must be even more true jokes. The number one definition of God was love, that yeah. God is love. Uh, but what I want us to, and that's, that's sort of the concept I guess I want us to tackle today, is, is God love? What's love got to do with it? Where, where, how does love work in a, a biblical understanding of who God is? So, my first point this morning is, the general consensus on love is not a Christian one. The general consensus of love is not a Christian one. Now, let me explain. I feel oftentimes, God's love has been reduced to cultural sentimentality. Like a like a cultural sentiment, right? Oh, God's love. It's like this warm, fuzzy feeling. I say all the time, if you, church is not a place to come get the warm fuzzies. Sit at home with a blanket, with fire, hot chocolate, you'll get the same feeling, right? The Like... God is an emotional God, but that's not, that's not, the, the, that's not the essence of who He is, yeah, wow. these warm, fuzzy feelings. So, we have people that come into church and they encounter Jesus and they get the warm fuzzies and they think they're cute because they get this encounter with Jesus and then they think that's why God loves them because it's all cute and it's warm and it's fuzzy and that's, that's the essence of God's love and they think of God as a sentimental boyfriend wow. Wow. and that's their view of God. That he just loves me, he just, he just wants me, and, and, and that's not who God is. That's not who God is. Yes, God loves you the way you are, 100%. But he loves you too much to leave you as you are. And I'd argue that the second half of that is more important than the first half. Because if God just loved us the way we were and we never changed, we never developed a devotional life where we grew closer to Him and, and walked the path of righteousness and, and began to sanctify our heart, then what's the point of His love? Yeah. Yeah. If, there's, if it's just love and that's where it starts and ends, then, then what's the, there's, there's no development, there's no journey, there's no discipleship, there's no following God, there's no laying down our life as a living sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus then just know that he does love you, but not in the way that maybe makes sense to you or us as humans, which is a very good thing. That is a good thing, that he does not love us the way we love ourselves and each other. Because if he did, oh dear. So be encouraged this morning, if you don't know Jesus just yet, alright, you will by the end of this stream, or this day. Uh, but my second point that I want to mention is our generation has no concept of sin or how wrong the world actually is. You know, there are bad things that happen, right? This, this outrage culture that we live in today, woke culture, outrage culture, um, critical theory, all these things bend the reality towards there's never anything wrong with me. It's them. Wow. They did this. They said, the church burnt me out. The, the, he said this. He did this. Now, I'm not trying to minimise anyone's experiences or pains they've been through, but I think sometimes it's good to get a bit of a reality check. That I, And I'm, I'm specifically speaking to like Gen X, Millennials and Gen Z, right? So, because, and the reason I say that, so that's basically anyone born after 1960, right? Sorry. So anyone that's born before that, you're all good, you're sweet. You're righteous, you're, you're like, don't worry, you can tune out, it's all good. But, no, but let's be real, the generations, right, let's think about this, like, intellectually for a minute, the generations of World War I and World War II, they knew the world was messed up, man. They knew that, no, there is sin in this world. There was no question, man. You had countries killing each other. You had people trying to destroy entire people groups. You could argue that that's still happening today to a certain degree. But but those those generations knew that there there better be a God that's just. There better be a God that's just. Because if He's not just, then He can't love properly. If He's not just in His decree, Mm -hmm. then His love is empty and meaningless. I heard someone say once, um, you know, and this isn't in my notes, so this could get hairy, but, um, have you ever heard, like, Christians, like, sort of debate the whole, um, like, what if Hitler, like, confessed of his sins and repented before God, before whatever? What if we get to heaven and Hitler's there, you know what I mean? And I find that real interesting. And I'm not God, so I can't declare and decree things and whatever, but, God, God, and, and the reason I bring that up is because God cannot tolerate sin in His presence, right? Wow. He just can't. Yeah, yeah. He cannot tolerate sin or sinners in His presence. Now, you can think about all the things that happened during that time in World War I and, and whatever, and any other, any other horrific um, time in, in history, and... If you as a Christian were to say someone that maybe lived through that or had a family member live, live through that, um, like a warm, fuzzy version of God's love. Oh, God loves everyone. God will forgive everyone. God loves everyone. I find, and I don't know why I'm saying this because it wasn't in my notes. I didn't intend to say this, but maybe, someone, this, maybe this is going to encourage someone. But well, I think you'd have a real hard time justifying to someone that lived through the Holocaust why Hitler's in heaven. Because, and I'm not saying, like, hear my heart when I say this, because God is just. God is just. And if He's not just, if He doesn't hold, hold Himself to that standard that we could never hold ourselves to, then His love's empty. And, and, and we can't rely on it. But the good thing is, is that He is just, He is reliable, He is the firm foundation upon we can build our life, He is the cornerstone. And so, my next point, point number three is, hermeneutics is vital. Ooh, big word, hermeneutics is vital hermeneutics basically just means the study of interpretations, how you study the Bible, how you read the Bible. So, your hermeneutic is like the lens that you view Scripture through. Does that make sense? Right? So, if your lens is off, then everything you read is going to be off. The love lens is an out-of-balance hermeneutic. To to view Scripture, to to view the Bible through God is love is a bad way, is a bad hermeneutic, is a bad way to read Scripture, it's a bad way to understand who God is. On the other hand, a, a holiness hermeneutic, the fact that God is holy and just, and the authority that He is holy. Before God is love, He is holy. Because holy means set apart. So His love is set apart, His love is different to our love, because He is holy. So lens lens number one, right, if we were to say lens number one is God is love, how many times do you think Scripture mentions God is love? Twice. Twice, God is love is is mentioned. How many times do you think God is holy or the the holiness of God is mentioned in Scripture? Literally hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. God is holy. He's set apart, man. Yet, we often use lens number one, the love lens, to interpret the entire Bible through. And, And we wonder why we have. Misinterpretation or unbalanced understanding of Scripture. We need to put the lens of holiness, yeah. the lens of holiness on, then the then the lens of love, to view God's to view God's character, view His identity, His holiness, and interpret Scripture to be able to have an accurate view of who God is. He is holy before His love. He's holy. Now there's five five truths of love from the Bible that I want to uh, to go through this morning, and the first one is the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. Right, so we're setting this up. What's the Bible say about God and His love? Right, number one, God loves the Son, the Son loves God. Right, understand? John three thirty five, we read it earlier. Said the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. John 14, 31 says, but He comes that the world may le- learn that I love the Father. That's Jesus speaking. He, I, I come so that the world may know I love the Father. So, no, number one, the Father loves the Son. This is important, man. This is important that we understand this. God loves the Son and the Son loves... Sorry, the Father. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. Number two is God loves His creation. Genesis 1, He calls it very good. He wouldn't call it very good if it wasn't good. Awesome. And also, this is just a little funny side note, Matthew 6.30, God expresses his loving providence over grass. (laughs) Just like every husband and man, after they mow the lawn, they're like, oh, God's providence, hey? The lawn, babe, look at the lawn. Five minutes later, babe, look at the lawn. Doesn't it look good? Literally, he closed the grass, hey? Hallelujah. Number three, God's salvational love towards His fallen world. John 3.16, we all know it, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Apostle John, when he uses the word world in that verse, that comes from the root word that expresses contentment and disapproval. Like, that's what the original word of the word world means, content, disapproval, God so loved the world. So basically, what, God, what the Apostle John is saying is, God so loved the big bad world out there that God disapproves of and has contentment for and will judge one day, but He loved it so much that He gave His only Son. Now, I'm not going to give you my punchline just yet, I almost, I almost, hey, it's like, whee, hang on. <laughs> Hey, whew, calm down. we still got eight minutes, okay? I just got a text and my iMessage is on here. So, hey, you know who texts me. I'm not going to tell you. Guys. Stop! 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 It's like, you're preaching heresy, whatever. Bang. No, anyway. Number three. No, I did number three. Number four. God... No, Christ loves the church. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.25 says, Jesus died for the church. You know, Jesus is coming back for his church, right? For his church, not the building, the people, the church. You're the church down at the park, you're the church wherever you are, he's coming back for his church. We're going to touch on that a little bit more, I don't want to give away too much just yet. Number five is a provisional love based on obedience. We don't believe in, like, what do you mean obedience? You mean I have to do something? I don't have to earn God's love? No, you don't. But John fifteen nine to 10 says, keep my commandments and you will remain in my love. Right. To keep the commandments doesn't mean to do perfectly, it means to guard. It means to hold true. It means that even when we maybe don't hit the mark on all of them is that we keep running back to Him. And we keep running back to Him, we guard them, we keep them close to our heart, we keep short accounts with God, so that when we do stuff up, when we do make mistakes, we go running right back. We don't believe the devil's lies when he says, you can't go to the throne room of God, you're a sinner. Who are you to go to the throne room of God? That's when you stand on the Word that says, keep my commandments, keep them close to your heart. You don't, you're not going to be able to achieve them every day of your life, but when you do mess up, make your mistakes, sin, whatever it is, keep close to His words and He and he will pour out, His love will remain on you. Amen. Amen. Now, so there, there's a, there are our five uh, truths from the Bible. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, number one. Number two, God loves His creation. Three, God's salvational love towards His fallen world. Four, Christ's love for the church. Five, a provisional love based on obedience. We need to think about these five biblical truths of love like they're five tension poles holding up a tent, right? We've probably all heard people say like, oh, the Bible contradicts itself, right? Um, I disagree with that, I just think there's truth in the tension. Sometimes there's tension between, well, what's, what's this mean? It's like, no, no, instead of looking at truth like it's a, I don't know, a single pole holding up a light or something... Think about it like there's different tension rods of truth that are holding up a tent and that tent is the Word of God, that's the, that's the, the essence of who He is, right? That's how, that's, I think that's how we've got to think about it because, right, one of the, these five points that I've just been through, we can't overemphasise one over the other. If we start overemphasising one over the other, this is what happens, Right? Overemphasis on love between the Father and the Son causes issues on how God loves sinners. If God only loves His Son, His Son only loves the Father, then where's the love for, for me? Where's the love for me, man? Where's the love? Where's the love? Number two, overemphasis on um, pro- prov- uh, providing um, a providence. Uh, of, uh, of God makes him like this this force this this energy like the universe man like the, that's just willing things to happen it's like what do you like no he's not a force he's a person he's a person number three is overemphasis on the church right the body of Christ Christians that, that makes him a Calvinist hmm, right it's all about the elect you know and, and overemphasis on that you know is uh it leads to Bad, bad vibes. Number four: overemphasis on the world makes him again, like we talked about, a lovesick boyfriend. Oh, he just wants—he just wants me. Like, he loves me. Um, no, he. Um, yes, he wants you, but he doesn't need you. Uh, he doesn't need you, uh, but he does want you. Um, number five: overemphasis on love tied to obedient, obedience creates merit theology, where you get a bunch of legalistic Christians running around. Um. Which also creates bad vibes. Do you see how an overemphasis on any of them yeah. creates a distorted image of God and His love? Yeah. Yeah. We, that's why we need to look at it like no, there's truth in the tension. There's truth in the tension. Uh, And and these are not independent, compartmentalised thoughts that diminish one another. So, which one's the most important one? Well, no, that's that's not the right way to think about it. They round each other out and complete each other with the tension rods of truth, which in turn turn results in a holistic, biblical understanding of God and His love, right? Right? Um, I might get um, the keys. Bailey, do you want to come join me as we um, start to land this thing? Now, when we see ourselves as the sinners that we are, Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short, the glory of God, it it actually deepens our appreciation and understanding of God's love. When we understand that, you know, I am a sinner and God can't love me in my current state. I can't be in relationship with him because I'm a sinner and he cannot tolerate sin in his presence. I want to conclude this. If this was like an essay, we've just all year 12s have been in exams, English essays. If this was an end of an essay, this is the conclusion paragraph. Right? God, God loves God more. Than he loves anyone else. God loves God, not, I'm not God. God loves God more than he loves me, more than he loves anyone else. And this is a good thing, church. This is a good thing. For he does everything for his glory, right? Psalm 23 He leads me beside still waters. For his name's sake, not my name's sake, not so I'm comfortable, but for his name's sake, to glorify him, because he's obsessed with glorifying himself, because he is God, the creator, right? Praise God for that. Like, you might hear that and think, oh, that doesn't sound... No, it's so good. It's so good. Not for us. We're not God. We are not a firm foundation. He does everything for him because he's the only perfect and just and wonderful person and that's why we can trust him that's why you can trust him today because he is who he says he is he's god the beginning the end the alpha the omega the firstborn of all creation he has he has perfect motives he has perfect motives unlike us unlike humanity his motives, his heart, is always in the right place. God's love for the world is not as great as his love for the church. You may disagree with me, but I don't believe God loves equally. God's love is not equal. But we're all his children, he, like, so, yes, but some of his children hate him. Some of his children reject him. And he does not love equally. He is a just God. And there is a day of judgment. This is not a turn or burn message. This is a wake up message. There is a day coming where lakes of fire will... God loves... God loves the big bad world. But he sent his son to die so that he could have the church. Jesus is coming back for the church, not the big bad world. He's not coming back for the big bad world, he's coming back for the church, which should put a sense of urgency in every Christian, every follower of Christ to get out there, to share their faith, to fill seats out there so that we can fill seats in here. And lastly, God's love to answer the question that I brought up at the start, is God's love unconditional? No, God's love is not unconditional. We can remain in his wrath if we reject his son, whom he loves more than us. If we reject his son, who he loves Jesus way more than he loves us, which praise God for that. God loves the son more than he loves me. And that's a good thing because when and here it is some of you may have guessed it already but when I receive the son I get the love from God that he gives to the son God's wrath is on sinners and the sin but he loves people who receive his son because he loves his son God's love may not be unconditional but his gift of grace is God's love may not be unconditional, but his gift of grace is free to anyone that chooses to receive it today. Is it fair to say that God hates sin and that God hates sinners? I believe yes, I believe it is fair to say that. God cannot tolerate sin or sinners, but I believe it's more Uh, more fair, more helpful, more true to say something like this. And I'm going to finish with this this morning. God desires the big bad world whom he has wrath for because of sin so much. He desires that world so much that he sent his son whom he has love for to die so that the world would receive the love that he has for the son and that the son would receive the wrath which he had for the world this is the gospel this is the message that without jesus where's the love what's love got to do with it everything and it's tied up in the person of jesus god has this wrath this he's just he's holy he's not a love sick boyfriend he has this just holiness For the world that has turned their back on God. But through Jesus, we are now, God sees us through the Jesus lens. And we can rejoice in that, church. We can be so thankful that from the beginning of time, God loved his son, Jesus, more than he loves me. Because now, he doesn't see me, but he sees Jesus and now I can be in relationship with him. God, I thank you, Lord, that it's not by our might, not by our strength, but by the sacrifice of Jesus that we can now come into that relationship with you. And God, I pray that we would leave feeling encouraged and boosted in our faith with an accurate understanding of who God is, what he's called us to, and how all this all works, God. And I just pray right now that anyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're down at the park or watching online or here in this room, God, if there is anyone that is far from you that want to turn from their sinful ways and chase after you to be for their image to be replaced by the image of Christ in front of God, God, I pray for them right now, Lord, that you would just touch them. I pray that you would fill their heart. And let's just pray this prayer all together, church, this morning. Dear Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your sacrifice. God, forgive me of my sins. Strengthen me to walk closer to you. I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Help me, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We want to just thank God for anyone that's watching or in the room today that's made that decision. We want to connect with you. Um, There's different ways that you can do that coming up on the screen if you've made a decision. But I pray you feel blessed. I pray you feel, I don't know. I don't know what I pray that you feel, but I just pray that it's of God. Hey? And that you leave, I don't know, built up in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, amen. Come on, church. Why don't we stand? Can you give Greg a huge round of applause and thank you? Come on, let's stand here one more time.